Hey, everybody. Welcome to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Courtney. And I'm Patrick. And welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. Good to see y'all. I feel so weird saying that. I know. You say it every time. and I'm like, we don't see anybody, but okay. I see you in my mind. I see you on your listens. Yeah, we that do. Made we no see you. fucking sense whatsoever. Oh, we'll keep it in, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How are you, Pat? Good. It's Friday. I'm good. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm running this shit today. It's a patisode. It's my shit. You get to sit over there and make comments and I get to be in charge. It's a patisode. People st- love the patisode, by the way. You're still in charge, but I mean. A patisode. A patisode and the pudding pod. <laughs> say that five times. <sighs> I don't want to say it once, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you got any uh, hot news? We're still waiting on our stickers. We are still waiting on the stickers. We got no other hot news, though. Okay. How about you? Um, I've been watching a lot of TikTok. I know. Well, duh. Yeah. And I have recently found it's a viral video of a marriage counselor. And he says that this, this one video of his went viral. And he says that if a wife rolls their eyes at their husbands, that that's like a red flag that divorces impending i'm fucked <laughs> you well, literally roll your eyes at when me all I day long i saw the video i'm like why is this viral one two shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean you literally roll your eyes at me like everything that comes out of my mouth so, so i went to the comments and there was like a million comments saying oh i've been married to my husband 41 years i'm 85 years old not once has that man opened his mouth that i haven't rolled my eyes it's true it's true <laughs> You say dumb shit. <laughs> Us as a male species, we just say dumb shit. Maybe it's the context in which you roll your eyes. Like, I, when I roll my eyes, it's a laughing, like, endearing. Yeah, like, when you roll your eyes, Aw. it's like, you dumbass. Yeah, exactly. It's not I'm like, not oh my God, you're my, so annoying. Yeah, I'm not rolling my eyes like I'm... Di- Maybe it's the context. I don't know. I've been thinking I, I didn't about know there was context there in is. eye rolls, but okay. There's different okay. eye rolls. If you look at... If you really study my eye holes, then you can see the context. I will try to study that from now on. I'll take diligent notes. Thank you. Any any other business we want to get to? Um, I found a new podcast obsession. Which one's this one? Um, so Courtney and Michelle with in the Nick of crime Ah, podcast. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh, my girls. So we absolutely love them and their whole vibe. Of course they cover true crime, but they also cover spooky stuff and, you know, we can always get behind that. So one of my favorite episodes that I was actually, I listened to several of their episodes today, actually, but one of my favorite ones I listened to that I wanted to recommend to you, Patrick, was um, their episode covering the life and death of Tupac. I saw that. Did you see it on Instagram? I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Okay. So seriously, excellent. We just really love them, and we think that you're going to love them, too. So make sure to check out their trailer real quick. We'll play it here uh, right before we dive into our episode. Hi, creeps and freaks. Creepies and freakies. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And we are in the nick of crime. We come to you weekly with true crime, some spook spooks, and a little bit of comedy. We focus on being a voice for victims, but we also like to rake the offenders through the coals. We can never really seem to take ourselves too seriously, but we do hope you'll join us. So keep it creepy and stay freaky, and we will see you 
next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. And we're back. And uh, so definitely go check them out. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go listen to The Life and Death of Tupac while I play World of Warcraft tonight because right I am now. a dork. <laughs> and uh, that actually sounds like it goes really well for me. I don't know why that mixes well, but it does. They're amazing. I love them so much. Shout out to Courtney and Michelle. Yeah, definitely go check them out if you get a chance. All, all, uh, are they on everything? They're on pretty much everything. every podcast. Okay. Everywhere every, you listen. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow them on Instagram, uh, The Nick of Crime on uh, Instagram. Absolutely. On Instagram? That's the only... Shut up. That's <laughs> rolling my eyes. <laughs> Roll your eyes right there. That's the only um, social media platform I'm really active on. You're on the tweeter. So, yeah. Maybe they have a tweeter. Yeah, I'm on the tweeter more than anybody else's. And that's just because yeah. it's set up on my computer out there. Yeah. So, anyway. You ready to get kind of into do it to today's it. episode? Let's do it to it, babe. So, we are here with a much requested... Uh, episode of our prison series. So you Yay. guys don't know, we we tried one out. Courtney did an amazing Thank you. take on the Ohio, Ohio State, State Reformatory, which yeah. many people know from the movie Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Uh, we watched some videos on it, and she just did an awesome job, dude. And we got a lot of positive feedback. Yeah. So we said, let's not let's do this every once in a while. Let's let's do a prison series. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited you guys like this because we love doing these and. One of the reasons I love doing these, it gives us a much fucking needed break from these vile asshats like Henry and Otis, because I couldn't take another fucking week of those two, because they're just horrible. So it gives us a slight break in the absolute darkness, mm-hmm. and it's not as vile as those guys are. So uh, still pretty dark. But it's not, pretty dark. Not vile. They're all maybe? dark. They're just not. They just don't have that it's level of depravity that we cover in some of those episodes and the yeah. And other things that go along with those people. If you listen to those episodes, you know the stuff we're talking about. Right. Um, and we actually were talking about this after the first one. We talked about how possibly doing this. And we were talking the other day saying that you know, maybe we could do a whole series on just prisons. And then we were like, why don't we make it institutions asylums. and we can bring in asylums. And yeah. you brought up like we can go international because you, you think of some of the worst prisons. You know, to you, you mentioned Scotland and England. I'm over here thinking Siberia. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> China. Like some of these other places where they don't have rules like we do. So we could definitely take this in an awesome direction and have Don't fun with it. Don't they have a Turkish Netflix yes. show? Or, yeah. or is, that, is that Turkey? I, thought, I think it's Turkey. Or is it Russia? It might be, I don't doubt it's Russia. They don't let anybody go in there and film their shit. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. And uh, and we'll see what you guys say for feedback or recommendations. Like if you want to hear about a certain asylum, like a Trans-Allegheny, or you want to hear about Alcatraz or Sing Sing or some far-reaching European death dungeon place. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. We're totally in it. But today, are we ready for this one? I don't know. Am I? I think you are. You, you're excited about this one because you know how excited I get about this one. Because uh, this one's near and dear to me just because it's personal. Yeah. For multiple reasons. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. It, like I say, it's close to me because I've, I've visited this numerous times. You've lived there. Uh, during the day and I've been there at night. Uh, I also live, I grew up 15, 20 minutes down the street from it. Yeah, so I've it's crazy. walked by it a million times. I've been, I've, like I said, I've toured it a few times. Eastern State Penn has been all over pop culture. So if you've watched TV shows like MTV's Fear, mm-hmm. Destin, or Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, they've all been there. Destination Fear. Destination to Fear. Yeah. No, but you remember Fear back in the day, old school Fear on MTV did it. Do you know that you unlocked a memory? I just now thought about that. I hadn't even thought about that 
in years. Mm-hmm. I remember that where they put all the kids. Yeah. And they'd the- send them one at a time and they had to do challenges, like sit in a room with a hood on for like 30 minutes and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's yep. crazy. Yep. wonder if we can go back and watch that. Pretty sure you can. But uh, it was also used in a lot of movies and we were just talking about this. It was used yeah. in one of my favorite movies of all time. 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. It was actually the asylum that he was in in 12 Monkeys. But most of the time it's been used for like to depict Siberian prisons and all these other places just because it's so run down looking. On yeah. the inside, it's just... It, well, it's it's not just run... I mean, it is run down looking, but I think it's the walls, like the stone walls. Oh, 100%. That's what throws it, me it off. It throws it off. It makes it look... It's not like a concrete wall. Or no, no, no. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Did we did we get into your experiences? That's my one question. 100%. 100%. Okay, we're going to talk just, about some just of Just making stuff. sure. Okay. Um, I won't ask. And that's, why it's, that's the other reason why it's personal. Not just because I grew up there, because I visited it and I've experience things there right yeah. and we'll talk about that later on cool. so again like, like in that in this episode we're going to talk about the history of it you know some of its some of the prison advancements because esp was responsible for prison reform in certain ways and ideology at ESP its time is esp is eastern state pen i abbreviate it sometimes because i don't want to say eastern state penitentiary every time um <laughs> okay. i'll probably refer to it as eastern state pen most of the time um my notes i put esp Gotcha. But no, it, it's it was re, it was responsible for prison reform from its time. Uh, we'll talk about its architecture. You know, the life in the prison, violence, hauntings, personal experiences, and okay. also a cat murdering dog. What? <laughs> a cat murdering? You'll you'll get it. You'll okay, see when we get I'm there. Ex- it makes no sense. I'm but excited. <laughs> it's kind of a really weird story, and it's not anything crazy, but it's just kind of cool. I'm here for it. Let's um, go. Yeah. So let's dive right into this thing. Okay. Okay. So Eastern State Pen was opened. In 1829, October 25th at 2027 Fairmount Avenue in the Fairmount section of Philadelphia. So if you aren't familiar with Philly, uh, if you've only been there a few times, this area, this section of the city sits on the east side of the Schuylkill River. It's actually referred to as like lower North Philly. So it's, if you've ever been down there in City Hall, it's just northwest of City Hall. City Hall is the big building that has William Penn on top of it, the big statue. They have to drive around. Did we go there Um, when I visited? We did not go over there. Okay. Uh, it's actually, that whole area is kind of like the museum-y district. That's where the Franklin Institute is. That's where the Natural Science Museum is. This Eastern State Penn actually sits about six blocks from the Art Museum. Oh, okay. So if you don't know about the Philadelphia Art Museum, if you've ever seen the movie Rocky, you know about the Philadelphia Art Museum. The steps. So you've seen that area and mm-hmm. how beautiful it is, right? Yes. Eastern State Penn is, is really only like six blocks from there. Okay. So if you're walking around that area of the city, like we said, it is beautiful. It is very museum districty, very upscale. And then you turn the corner mm-hmm. and you run up upon this huge, formidable, dark castle-like building. Oh, it just does not fit at all. Like it, it's something straight out of medieval Europe in the middle of Philly wow. uh, it, with its, its 30-foot stone walls. And it's, it literally is built like a giant castle. So that's why pictures probably just don't do it justice. They do, but it doesn't. It doesn't do it justice till you see it in person, and you have like you're like, where'd this come from? You have townhouses I'm right in next to you. Country. It's like being in the Heights here yeah. in Houston. Yeah. And then you turn the corner, and there's a 17th century or 18th century prison just sitting there. Jeez. Made of just nothing but stone and Gothic creation. It's just dark, right? Wow. So, but Eastern Saint Penn actually would launch a new and revolutionary style of prison back mm-hmm. in its time, which was known as the Pennsylvania system. Okay. Kind of fitting because it's in Pennsylvania, right? So this prison become one of the most controversial prisons of its time until it's closing in 1970. Mm-hmm. It operated for almost 150 years. So that's how you something it would be known and widely considered as the world's first true penitentiary. So around the late 1700s, this is probably like 1780, 1790 timeframe shortly after the revolutionary war. 
a new style or ideology of prison reform would start coming out of concerns. There had to be a more humane way to deal right. with inmates and prisoners. Uh, you see, at the time... And not torture them. <laughs> yeah, at the time, prisoners were basically held, and the criminals or whoever they were were held until they were tried. And then once they were tried, it was like medieval times. They just went out, flogged them, beat them, whipped them, tortured them, and that was their punishment. End of so story. they died, yeah. And that was, an under, that, was, that was it. It was basically it was corporal punishment and public punishment and public humiliation. People started to think at the time, like, hey, maybe we can fix these people or there's got to be a better way to do this than this barbaric shit. We're better than – this is English's way. You know, we're, we're America now. We're better than them. Mm-hmm. Basic ideology. So a man named Benjamin Rush w- would first bring about this idea of this new prison reform or prison system. So mm-hmm. who is Benjamin Rush? No one's ever heard of him. I never fucking heard of this guy. Yeah, me neither. He actually has a quite an interesting history. He's quite a big – Big player back in the day. Uh, so he was actually a founding father. He of what? Si- he signed the Declaration of Independence. Benjamin Rush did? Benjamin Rush was a founding father and signed the, Demo- the, the Declaration of Independence. That's insane. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know until I kind of deep dove into him. Wow. He, uh, he did a few things back in the day. So... He also he was kind of doing the damn thing. I mean, he was he was a leader in Philly, both you know, economically, socially, civically. So he's from Philly. Uh, he ended up in Philly oh, okay. at, the, at the end of it. Yeah, uh, I don't, I couldn't see where he was originally from. I didn't really talk about his his origins. What I found, I probably yeah. could have probably could have found that, but he was from the area. I don't know if it was That's Jersey, Philly, you know, kind of area. Yeah. He also founded Dickinson College. Uh, he also served as the Surgeon General to the Continental Army. What the. That's crazy. I had no idea. How have I not heard? Or have I? And I it's we may have thinking. heard, but he's just not famous like the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. But he uh, he he really, really argued for the for a new style of system, um, which we're going to talk about here. It's actually going to become what they call the Pennsylvania system, and we're okay. going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. But he would really advocate for this, of a system of basically repenting and reflecting in order to repent and atone for your sins and make you basically a reforming. Is what they were trying I was to get say, to. Is it, is it like without reforming? punishment? So basically, yeah. without corporal punishment, they're trying to get you to reform without beating the shit out of you and like gagging you. With- basically, making you sit in your own thoughts is what their idea is going to come. And we're going to see that here in a second. Oh lord! Uh, but he actually got a lot of steam and was was advocated for mm-hmm. by Bishop uh, William White. So okay. William White couldn't find a whole lot about this guy other than the same thing over and over again. Yeah, he was basically the four, he was actually the fourth. The first and fourth presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, and he was the actual first bishop of the Diocese of Pennsylvania, and that's the role he was actually in at this time when he was really advocating for this. So Rush actually brought this idea, this new how we should do things in prison. Mm -hmm. He brought it to the attention to the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. That's a long ass That's name. That's the name of an actual society. Philadelphia <laughs> Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. So they didn't name shit well back in the day. We know this. Do you know what that reminds me of? It, it, what was the the school on? Um, it was a school. The Zoolander Center for Kids yes, Who Can't Read Good. That's it. <laughs> the Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Holy Read shit, Good. It does sound like that. <laughs> I knew. I was. I read. I had to read the name like eight times because I was like, "What the fuck?" It's the Zoolander. <laughs> But that was that was the name of it. So apparently, this was obviously a really large public outcry for changing right. the prison. Like obviously, they thought their prison sucked. Gotcha. Uh, do you know where they actually had the meeting where he would present this idea? Liberty Bell, Ben Franklin's house. That is just his chill house. Just Ben Frank. They're fucking hanging out at Ben Franklin's house. Are you finding it weird when you were researching your case how 
many times like Ben Franklin ties into this case and the last case that you covered? Well, in all fairness, Ben Franklin sends the tie into everything that I would cover from my home area because it's Philly. Oh, that's true. Everything that's in fucking true. Philly ties to Ben Franklin. I think I have relatives somewhere down the line tied to Ben. Everybody does. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. Ben Franklin's like literally the founding father of everybody and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> he yeah, founded everything. <laughs> they're fucking chilling at Ben's house. He's like, Ben, you know, you know what's up, dude? This, uh, this prison mm-hmm. sucks. I got this new idea. And everyone's like, cool, because we're the Philadelphia Society for the Misery of Public Prisons. So we're with you. <laughs> so, that, yeah, like we said, this new system that they were proposing really being pushed forward by Rush was, was later known as the Pennsylvania system, which would also be commonly referred to as the separate system. Uh, And it was based on the ideology that separate confinement would be used as a form of reforming and rehabilitating. Mm -hmm. So the idea of isolation for a prisoner would be stuck to think about what they had done Mm. and inspire atonement, true regret, and penitence. So basically, they're just going to leave you your fucking thoughts. And when I start telling you about this prison, it takes isolation to a fucking other level. And that's always the case with us. You and know, it is, we, it, we always tend to take an idea and then take it, take to, it so far, yeah, right. so far that it's just no longer. <laughs> and I couldn't find too many things that said, this is what solitary confinement came from, but it's the one prison system mm-hmm. that I have a feeling. I don't know. It's like a 90% obvious conclusion that you have a, you have a prison it's system that's good, adopted in the 1800s that mm-hmm. is all about isolation. And here we are still using isolation tactics today. So spoil us. Is it going to be good or no? What? The system, does it work or yeah or no? Depends on who you talk to. Really? Depends on who you talk to. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that thought it would be good, but to your point, mm-hmm. a lot of, this when I remember in the beginning, I said it was a very controversial system at the time. So what do you think? Because I, it, I think it's bad. Okay. I think most people will. Most people would agree with that because humans are social animals by nature. Mm-hmm. We may not want to always be around people, but even with family or anything, we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. So when you put something in true isolation, the only thing I've ever seen it really inspire is insanity. And we're going to talk about that. And there's a, there's a lot of that's brought up. And, you know, if you're truly alone in the wilderness for 20 years, I mean, mm-hmm. look at Castaway. The man became a fucking friend with a volleyball. There's nothing wrong with that. It was Wilson. <laughs> he was adorable. Wilson, Wilson was cool, <laughs> but the dude went crazy and his best friend was a volleyball. Um, I've never been so excited for an episode. Let's do it. Okay. Come on. So actually the, the idea of... The Pennsylvania system in Eastern State Penitentiary Mm -hmm. would actually last almost 100 years. So the isolation Pennsylvania system lasted in Eastern State Penn until 1913 when they kind of adopted what they called the congregate kind of system, which is basically where they let them congregate. They let them have yard time. They had a rec area. Exactly. They had a baseball field and all stuff. So, but from 1829 to 1913, this Mm -hmm. isolation system. Absolutely was what they went by here. So it took us dumbasses a hundred years to find out that it didn't work well. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. And see, at the time when they were proposing this, uh, this would be a very stark contrast to the current system that was really used in all the prisons in the area. Mm-hmm. So everybody really went under what they called the Auburn or New York system. If you can't guess, these systems are founded where or named after where they're founded, basically. Right. So, but every prison in the area really across the U.S. at the time, since it was in its infancy, is really using this New York system, okay. which is... You know, the idea that they were around, the prisoners could be around each other and hang out and do all this shit, but they were yeah. in silence. Like, they weren't allowed to talk. Like, they could be in the yard. They couldn't just be out carrying on like they That's do in so prisons stupid, now. Because you know they're going to find a way. But, again, they were horrifically beaten and physically tortured. Yeah. So, we see that, and that was what the, we talked about. That, that was the advocation for the Pennsylvania system was to stop corporal punishment, stop mm-hmm. physical abuse. We can do better, right? 
remember that because that comes into play. Okay. Put a pin in that. See, the isolation idea in Pennsylvania that Rush came up with was actually experimented on before Eastern State Pen was built. Where? We're going to do that right now. So in around 1790, obviously this is, wow. when, this is when the idea is coming around. This is when they're saying, hey, we need to start doing isolation. We can't beat these people. Okay. Eastern State Pen hasn't, isn't built for another 30 years. So there is a jail that they experimented on inside the walls called the Wal- Walnut Street Jail behind the Pennsylvania State House. You've been there and didn't even know it. I guess so. I didn't know it. The Pennsylvania State House at the time is now commonly referred to as Independence Hall. Oh, where the Liberty Bell is. Where the Liberty Bell is. Gotcha. So we didn't go into Independence Hall when we were there because it was COVID times, I think. Was it COVID? Mm-mm. No, it was before, before COVID. COVID. Yeah. We didn't go in just because the tour line was ridiculous and stuff like that. And, yeah. Uh, it's just it's too people-y. It, it's also an old building <laughs> with nothing in it. And it's yeah. Cool on the outside. Inside is just like, cool. Hey. Yeah. Um, it's very small and underwhelming, surprisingly. Weird. But yeah. if I would have gone now in my older years. And this this is a whole part of this time period where they're trying to transition. They actually, this revolution, this school of crime or den of debauchery, which is what they were calling the Wall Street Jail. Jesus. Um, would transition from public punishment, like whippings and beatings, to private punishment. So they're trying to transition from the private, the public stuff to, no, we're just doing it inside the walls. I'm just going to beat your ass in private. <laughs> yeah. And this, this also would... Um, Include manual labor inside the walls. They basically brought it from outside the prison where where everybody knows England did their public punishments. So now we're bringing it inside the walls. We're not quite into isolationism yet, but we're, we're, we're moving that direction. Try to be more humane, not humiliate them basically. Uh, And this was also, this was actually considered a huge change in ideology, right? Because we're no longer publicly abusing people. We're just privately abusing them now. That's fascinating to me. Human thought. <laughs> like it's a good thing, right? We're not wow. we're not beating them out there. We're beating them I in mean, here. Small steps. I like guess, think about it. You, that, that's like us taking our kids to Walmart and having a huge victory because we stopped beating the shit out of them in Walmart. We waited till we got to the car to beat the shit out of them. Wow, I I can't even imagine. You know what I mean? Like, and they thought this was this huge advancement. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and then legislation would actually be passed. Um, at the time, it was everybody was housed in these in these jails, like women. Children, oh wow, like petty crimes, like little. Th- a lot of the criminals back then, you remember, it's like you stole a potato because you were hungry. They would like chop your hand off. A like horse. you were the, you, the horses. Horse. Name horses. I can't get past how like, how many horse thieves there were. No, how like, how severe it was. It was death like was your punishment for stealing horse. One hundred percent worse than murdering and raping. I cannot get over that. They got more years stealing a damn. But a horse. lot of these, a lot of these people in this prison in Walnut Street, there it was women and children and yeah, like pickpockets and. And they were all housed together. And they're all put together with murderers and everybody, right? That's not asking for any trouble. No, no, but that eventually somebody got smart and they passed legislation in mm-hmm. 1790 uh, to convert part of the Walnut Street Jail into an area just for more serious criminals. And this is where they would serve it in isolation. Okay. So in 1790, they passed this legislation and basically said, all you fucking murderers and horse thieves, because mm-hmm. you are the worst of the worst horse thief, <laughs> you're going to isolation. <laughs> horse thieves. And this, this, this would fail. Yeah. Because they couldn't determine who was bad and who wasn't. They're like, well, this fucking put everybody in isolation because one yeah. is easier on everyone else. Like mm-hmm. the guards don't have to do as much work or much less problems. But that would lead to a huge amount of overcrowding mm-hmm. and underfunding. And it was whoever was running it at the time. I couldn't mm-hmm. find the name of the person because everything talked about how badly it was run. Everything I could find was just basically said this was so poorly run mm-hmm. that it failed. Uh, and it basically almost collapsed this whole prison. If it was, it's more like a jailhouse. It wasn't even a yeah, it wasn't prison. a prison yet. No, it was like a back of a building. Like it was back of Independence Hall. They locked yeah. people up. 
Um, but that would actually be the driving force uh, in the early 1800s that would lead to the new system and the push for uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. So Eastern State was actually a, originally approved for a $250,000 budget in 1820s. So did you do the... Yeah, I ran the math. Okay. 6.3 million roughly nowadays. Holy fooey. $6.3 million dollar prison built out of stone. And I can't remember how much Ohio was. Uh, it was like $2 million, I think. Was it? I want to say That's it was like $2 million. insane, man. Oh, my gosh. I have to go back and check our notes and check the, the yeah. notes, but I think you said it was around 2 or $3 million. So this yeah. is this is six point, this is almost $7 million. Wow. And again, if you've seen it, it's formidable. It makes yeah. Ohio State look, look like a townhouse. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I will get into, obviously, the design and stuff later. And at the time, because the system is so new, you still have a lot of, you know, the new ideologists that are like, this is the way to do it. And like, you had the old salts being like, fuck you. No, it's not. Yeah. So you know what happened from that? What? I don't know if you're ready for this. A war broke out between the ideologists of the Pennsylvania system versus the Auburn or New York system and what they would call the heated pamphlet war. Are you telling me that two parties that disagreed had issues with each other and went to pamphlets man it's almost like nowadays with news broadcasts they went to fucking pamphlets pamphlet wars <laughs> pamphlet war you remember it was the 1800s pamphlets were I like know. shit pamphlets not like, like blog wars not magazines or, not blogs not yeah. social media posts not news dinners yeah, not newspapers wars. it was literally pamphlets that just printed no, on online trolling it's going to be... It, it was trolling. It was pamphlet trolling was back pamph- in the day. pamphlet trolling that they handwritten. Well, you remember Ben Franklin was involved when we were talking about the Jersey Devil. Benjamin Franklin was involved in uh, almanac trolling. He basically said his com- competitor was going to die. And then when his competitor was like, fuck you, I'm not dead. He was like, look, he's talking to me. He's a ghost. Oh like, they were trolling each other back then in almanacs and pamphlets. Trolls are in all generations. They haven't just come out of nowhere, guys. No, they, they they've haven't. been around here. <laughs> and one of the, I found this actually really interesting. One of the most notable critics and, and someone who spoke the most out against this new system was actually Charles Dickens, the author. Everybody pretty much knows Charles Dickens. I didn't go into great detail on him because it's fucking Dickens, right? I actually, yeah, I actually read that. See, I'm looking into this. Yeah, when, when, That's insane. when he actually visited the prison in uh, 1842, okay, and he argued that he understood the intent mm-hmm. and the ideology, but he said it, it was the humanly driven of the execution was more torture mm-hmm. than what it was intended to be. So he understood what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. but how they did it, he was like, dude, this is torture. So this is again, when I told you like it, isolationism, you know, the ideology is like, Hey, we want you to repent and think about it. But the way it was carried out was just not humane. Right. Um, and his actual travel journal, which was called the American notes for general circulation. There's a chapter in there called Philadelphia and it's solitary prison. And he wrote in there and I quote, it is intention, I am well convinced, that is kind, humane, and meant for reform. But I am persuaded that those who design the system of prison discipline mm-hmm. and those benevolent gentlemen who carry it out into execution do not know what it is that they are doing. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurable worse than the torture of the body. Because its ghastly signs and tokens are, are not palpable to the eye. It extorts few cries that human ears can hear. Therefore, I more denounce it as a secret punishment in which slumbering humanity cannot roused up to stay. 
That's pretty powerful. So if you don't understand what the shit he did when he said there, which I had to read it like eight times to understand this, basically he's saying, I understand what they're I doing here. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. kind of get it. He understands what they're doing here, but he thinks that it's causing more damage. Basically, it's causing psychological damage more yeah. than physical punishment would hurt a person. And it's even worse that no one can see it because it's psychological. You're not you can't performing see, shit. <laughs> you can't see the damage you're causing. Yeah. The world can't speak out against it because they can't see it because they're not seeing you beat somebody. Yeah. But you're literally destroying your mind is what you're he's saying. You're more deforming them than you are reforming them. Yeah, and he was actually backed up by the medical field. So doctors in the time, uh, a lot of them did acknowledge instances of insanity due to isolation. But well, yeah, get this. This is this is eighteen hundreds. There's a caveat here. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The eighteen hundreds of it all. Many of them were actually African American prisoners that went insane, and they wrote that off, saying that they were basically uh, predisposed to mental illness. Wow. Illness from their unique nature. Wow. That is their words. That is not mine. That is almost a direct quote from this stuff. Racist fuck. Racist as fuck, right? So only the black people are going insane because they're predisposed because of their uniqueness. Wow. Now, others also argued uh, that the over oh, that, <laughs> that overstimulation is what caused the insanity. So I, I had to read this again, right? Overstimulation and isolation caused the insanity. So how the fuck does one get overstimulated in isolation? If you weren't thinking it, I definitely wasn't thinking it. Is it masturbation? Their answer was masturbation. That's the only thing I can think of to do it. <laughs> so, so these dudes have nothing to do and no interaction. So it's like, dude, I'm going to let one rip. I'm going to go to town here. And that caused them to go insane, apparently. Are you not impressed that that's where my mind went to? You're rubbing off on me. I know. No that's terrifying. Intended. Oh, God. I was actually going to put a pun in there. No need. I was going to say, I wonder if there's some sort of stroke of luck you can get this correct. <gasps> I didn't. I was like, I'm going to keep a pun out of it. And then you fire a fucking pun right in my face. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, I hate that I'm rubbing off on you. All right. So (laughs) now let's talk about the design of this prison. Because again, this to me is one of the most interesting facts about this building is its design. It's crazy. You don't really see this anywhere else. Um, It was designed by a man named John Haviland, who was an English architect. Uh, Obviously, he was living in England. He was actually encouraged to move to America after a random encounter with John Quincy Adams in Russia. Like, this story is just crazy. Okay. Like, random people just meet John random people. John Quincy Adams went to like, Russia? Yeah, like, the, the president was in yeah, Russia. I'm and he was like, hey, Haviland, I like your I like your cut, G. I need you to come to America with me. <laughs> Slap. And he was like, bet. I'm going to build some fire-ass buildings. I'm on my way. Is this a direct quote? I think it was a loose translation. Okay. Okay. Um, but he actually designed other buildings a lot of them are in Philly, but some of them are in the, that whole area, New York, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So some of the other buildings he actually be- built were the old city hall in Pennsylvania or in Philadelphia, Franklin Institute, uh, the Walnut Street Theater, which I have been to and is actually the oldest theater in the United States. Ooh. And he also built the tombs underneath New York City. Remember the old legendary Wall Street tombs? Yeah. He built really? that. He built, he that. built that? He designed it. Wow. So this dude built some shit. So he built Eastern State Penitentiary. It was... Built and opened in 1829, but was not fully completed till 1936. We'll get to what the hiccups were there for a little bit. We kind of talked about it earlier. It has to do with plumbing and stuff. This, excuse me, this massive structure could hold 450 prisoners. That's it? Well, at the time, this was was the largest and most expensive, not prison, structure. Structure. Building in the entire country. Right. So $6.8 million nowadays back in, you know, $250,000 back in the 1800s. They didn't have buildings like this. You couldn't fit 450 people in a building back then. They could now. 
you know, and the design of it, it was inspired by the 1870s or 1780s asylums and prisons in England and Ireland. Mm-hmm. Well, I said 1870s, 1780s, uh, English and Irish prisons and asylums in this neo-Gothic design meant to strike fear into potential criminals. That was the intent. They designed this fucking thing to look medieval mm-hmm. to scare the shit out of you. I want my house to look like that one day. Right. So I had to dive into this a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is neo-Gothic architecture? I don't know what that means. Do you? Yes. I can put it together like it's <laughs> new Gothic, right? So It's my um, style. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of your style. But neo-Gothic buildings or Gothic revival began in the late 1740s and really took off in the early 1800s mm-hmm. uh, in attempt, basically in an attempt to revive medieval Gothic architecture. Right. It was very much pushed forward by the same time as the romanticism time with, with yeah. the books. And they would write about all the Gothic stories and all these Gothic castles. Right. So it was very much part of the pop culture in the time. So it was ri- it, reviving it. So Neo is like new. Neo so is basically new, new Gothic. Gothic. Yeah. It's new Gothic. So it's a modern. So it's their modern spin on medieval right. style buildings. Yeah, and the romanticism would have that large impact on the growth. And it's really one of the primary reasons why it exploded. It exploded yeah. all over the world too. So there's, oh, of course. there's examples everywhere of it. Uh, the, the, the buildings tend to have, Pointed arches on doors. So mm-hmm. like you'll have an arch, but it kind of, it's kind of like a pointed. Um, and we all know what that looks like as soon as we think about it or like a castle or some of these buildings that I'm going to bring up here in a second. Right. Uh, the windows and roofs are also pointed and they're often very tall buildings. They're like not a, little buildings. Almost like a gingerbread house, but like a mansion gingerbread house. Kind of, but they're yeah. really very popular with churches and castle like structures with towers. Nice. So you think castles, you think a lot of these basilicas in Europe yeah. that were built in that time frame are under this, this and, I'll, and I mentioned a couple of them here in a second, they're built in that structure. Um, and they often have very steeply pitched roofs, which mm-hmm. we see that, those really, really pointy roofs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and very decorative crowns and gables. Yeah. So if you're like me, really? I had to look up what a gable was. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it until I looked it up. They're everywhere. Um, so it's basically that triangular section of a wall. Where there's a pitched roof. So right. you have you have your front, he's like your house has that little part that sticks out and your roof like is really sloped on both sides right over the entryway and that little piece of wood, yeah. a piece of wall in between those two pieces, that's yeah, a gable. That's gable. So they would have highly decorated gables a lot of times with wood, a lot of times very decorative, like you said, like frilly. Mm-hmm. Not actual frilly, but coconut. Stop. What was that? Coconut's like wheezing or something over here. Oh, she's excited. So, like I said, some examples of this style architecture, both here and in other places, was the Tribune Tower in Chicago, Manchester City Council in Manchester, England. Oh. Uh, let's see. The Notre Dame Cathedral Basilica in Ottawa, the Windsor Arms Hotel in Toronto, and also the St. Peter and Paul Basilica in Prague. I love basilicas, namely. That's, I think that's my There were so many basilicas across the world that had this oh, style architecture. It. So beautiful. I think that basilica thing was a very... Romantic period, 1700s, 1800s, wherever it came about, yeah. which would have been this style of design. So the crazy thing about Eastern State Penitentiary and its design was it was designed in a, as a wagon wheel style, right? Yeah, that's crazy. So the idea was it had huge prison walls, and inside, a central guard tower would be located in the middle, and basically prison corridors would extend out from the central circle, similar to like a spokes on a wagon. Yeah. So they could see Exactly. So this was so the guard tower could literally keep surveillance on the entire fucking prison from one spot. You know what I mean? They don't have cameras. They don't need walking guards as much now because they literally can have a couple group of guys in this tower and yeah. they could see down every hallway. Brilliant. Ventilation. Before cameras, right? Exactly. Ventilation was also considered in the design for prisoner health from bad air or what they called miasmus. 
Um, mm-hmm. The huge concern was basically there was so much in isolation, they had to open it up. You're breathing your own carbon dioxide. Right. So they have these, these the, the way it was designed was to also help airflow and get everything out. Boom, science. Boom, <laughs> science. We're going to use that on every episode. So originally when it was first built, there were seven corridors or wings jutting out from, from the center. Uh, each wing and corridor consisted of one floor, so they were single floored. Uh, and each cell was eight by 12 by 10. Eight by, that's typical eight by 10, right? Eight by, almost like a typical prison cell nowadays, I think. Uh, and they were actually outfitted with a toilet, a faucet, hot water heating. So they had hot water because in Philly it gets cold shit in the winter. So they actually had hot water in here. Um, and they also had individual exercise areas, also known as yards. So the idea of a prison rec yard, they didn't have that shit. They had like a dog kennel mm-hmm. yard attached to their prison cell. So if they, when it was time for exercise, they just opened their little door and went to their little fenced-in fucking area. Right? It wasn't fenced. It was walled. But alone, right? But alone. Not together. Okay. So complete isolation. Like Even when they go exercise, they're in like an 8 by 10 area that's walled in. Yeah. It gets even crazier in a minute, but you know, later to overcrowding, new wings would start to be added. They ended up with 15 cell blocks by the time they were done. So they started with seven. Mm-hmm. They started adding more. They started adding second floors to them because they just they were running out of space. I was, I was going to say, were they... Getting more prisoners. Yeah, so they were getting more prisoners. There was obviously this so place was overcrowding. Right? Hmm? Four hundred and fifty when it opened. A lot more when it closed. It was thousands yeah. when it closed. But wow. they could so they ended up with they started with seven prison cell blocks. They ended up with fifteen. Fifteen? Somewhere between ten like somewhere between eight and ten is when they started making them two story. So they could just because it's easier to make it two story, you can fit more people than that was my next question. Yeah, you can fit more land than or you can fit more in the land than if you build up, then out, oh, of basically. Is it, did they stop it two-story, or do you know? Uh, they just said, it talks about one and two-story. I think they stopped it two-story. Yeah. Because um, 15 was the last one they built, and that's an interesting story in and of itself that I'll hit real quick before I go back to the rest of it. Because I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. Block 15 was actually built and designed by the prisoners. No way. It was said to be yet be made to house the worst of the fucking worst. So they did that? They, they they designed it and obviously they're in isolation. They're, they helped design it, but they're somehow they had them. No, I don't think fifteen was the fifteen was designed after nineteen thirteen. So this is way after isolation's okay. over. Okay. So this is when they have we'll them working there. together in manual labor, right? Yeah, um, that's so interesting. Wow. Yeah, and so these were designed to be like the worst of the worst. Like these okay. guys were so bad, the guards were completely completely gated off. So this was unpiloted. It was nineteen forties. This is when this one was built. Because okay. it was electric. They had a lot of electric gates and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's when electricity. So that's yeah. how they could have the guards. Because when I first read it, I was like, how the fuck did guards not go in there? Yeah. Because it's, it was in the electric time. So they had electrical opening. They could open the gates electronically mm-hmm. um, or pneumatically. They just didn't have to actually go do it and open all the cells and stuff. Right, right. This was absolute fucking isolation even after isolation was over. So they ended isolation in 1913. This is like the 1940s and 50s. Okay. This is true fucking isolation. You don't even have prison guards coming to see you. You're fucking alone. Oh. And you know what his nickname was? What? Death Row. It was Death Row. That's where we got it from? No, but that's they called it Death Row because pretty much everyone that was there was sentenced to death. Oh, they were already sentenced. They were sentenced to either life or death. I thought, life in were, prison I or thought death. honestly, you were going to say Green Mile. No, 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 no. But <laughs> uh, the interesting thing is they called it Death Row. Mm-hmm. Not one execution ever took place in Eastern State Penitentiary. Not one. What'd they die of? A lot of other things, <laughs> okay. but no one was actually, so they sent these guys to death. They put them in cell block 15, which they literally don't see another human being for the rest of their life. Yeah. 
and they don't kill him. Oh. Because about 20 years after Death Row was built, the prison was closed. Yeah. Um, and this was actually, you know, the final step in true isolation, even though it was supposed to be over, mm-hmm. which is ironic, right? So I found that a little ironic that they said, hey, we're done with isolation. Fuck, fuck the Pennsylvania system. It doesn't work. 30 years later, they're like, fuck you. Yeah. You, you never see the light of day again. So I, I threw that in there because that's a little tidbit. Now, going what? back to the actual regular prisons, they only had a slot in the wall originally where the guard could look into the prisoner. Basically, they called it a portal. So it's like this little hole in the wall. That's how they got in and out. And that's how the guard could check on them and slide them food and stuff. Okay. Check and see if they hung themselves. Yeah, basically. And initially, they, that's where they entered through the prison yard, which led into their cell. So the, their cell hole. actually didn't even have a door. They got in and out through this hole? So they wow. went through this hole, which took them to their exercise yard. And then from there, they had a door into their actual fucking cell. That's insane. I wonder how big the hole was. It was not big. If you were um, like a fat guy, could you get <laughs> through the hole? Yeah. The, no, you could not. You know, because obviously they, they went back and said, you know what? We need to just fucking add metal doors. This is yeah, wrong. Yeah. So they added metal doors to the cell area, which they also put a wood door on the outside to muffle the sound. Okay. So not only they're like, you know what? These holes too small. You can't mm-hmm. get in there. We'll give you a real door, but fuck your real door. We're soundproofing yeah. it basically. Yeah. We don't want to um, hear your screams. Of they never said exactly why they changed the doors, but the multiple beliefs, many people believe that the original door or portal as they called to were so small that they designed it in order to keep the prisoners from trying to get out or slow them down. If they did, mm-hmm. others debated it was forcing them to bow as they entered. Which kind of makes sense because a lot of this was based off of the Quaker beliefs and the Puritans and saying this is all about penitence and regret and reform. Also, you look at um, characters like Bundy who had to fit through this tiny hole to escape. So we lost 20 pounds in a week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think more than that. I just, (laughs) like I said, this this wasn't like this is why they did it. This is just what it's believed to be. Yeah, yeah. And it it made sense to me because it was a very penitence-driven facility. So having them bow or kneel before God as they entered, basically, kind of makes sense. That makes more sense, I would think. So prisons are expensive, right? Yeah. And these dudes are in isolation. I feed them. For 23 hours a day. Mm -hmm. What the fuck you do with them? The prison said, I got a fucking idea. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So to offset costs, prisoners were required to work in their cells doing things like basket weaving, carpentry, and shoemaking. And that was used to generate income income for the prison, which we still see to this day. Right. You know, the whole adage of license plates and all those other. So they basically used them as free labor like we've always seen in prisons everywhere, no matter what system it was. License plates, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the only people that are even allowed in the prison, Mm -hmm. not in the cells, in the fucking prison, the whole building, were... A local minister and members of the prison society. So basically, people that ran the prison and the one person that was deemed to be the moral instructor for the whole place. So no conjugals, no family members. No fucking anything. Like, they didn't care who you were. If you weren't a member of the prison group, the prison bureau, prison society, or you weren't that one minister. Like, if you were a minister from somewhere else or a a deacon or a preacher from somewhere. You could fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. We have one guy. He is our moral corrections person, basically. Uh, each set, and this is, we talked about, you and I talked about off, offline a little bit about the plumbing, right? This is what kind of, kind of, kind of was interesting because each, each cell had its own individual flushing system mm-hmm. and hot water. So they actually designed this with individual pipes that fed through a central sewer system. And they did this to attempt to keep prisoners from communicating through the pipes. Which remind them about the year. This was actually ingenious. Yeah. I mean, this, this was, was not, this is 1829 when this yeah, was designed. Yeah, this is amazing. 
1829 when it was opened, it was designed probably about 1826, 1827. But still, 1820s, they're designing this saying, we're going to put not only individual pipes, you're getting hot water because it gets cold as shit in Philly. I mean, wow, that's... And they do that with the intent of saying, you can't communicate by banging on pipes, that's sending messages. <laughs> yeah, all these things. And uh, it didn't work. It didn't work. So after multiple redesigns, they finally uh, they finally finished the plumbing in the way they, they figured it could make it work in 1936. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said it opened in 1929, but it didn't finish till 1829. Didn't finish till 1836 because they basically spent seven years redesigning the pipes over and over and over again, trying to keep these guys from talking to each other while maintaining individual bathrooms and water flow. So fun fact, I actually read about this the yeah. other day. Can I say it? Now? Absolutely. Okay. Eastern State Penitentiary had plumbing and running water before the White House even did. Yeah, it was honestly one of the first buildings in like America. It was, it was one of those ingenious buildings. It was just, I mean, the engineers behind it were brilliant. Absolutely. John Havlin was absolutely, the whole design of this thing is brilliant yet sadistic at the same time. undermine his brilliance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nowadays it's sadistic. Back then it was state. Of, I mean, it was state of the art back then. We said it was the oh, biggest building water? in the country. It was the wow. most expensive. Had running water, which probably why the cost was so high. Yeah, it had, it had heated water in eighteen twenty nine. I mean, that's insane. Not even the White House did heated that running water. Our president <laughs> in eighteen twenty nine. That's absurd yeah. that they had this stuff. I know. Uh, you know, one downfall uh, was that the guards only flushed the toilets like maybe two times a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. If you just had your toilet flushed today and you got to runs tomorrow, that shit's sitting there till like Tuesday. Well, I mean, you've been to a porta potty. It sucks. Yeah, but it's not in your room. That's true. You escape a porta potty. You walk out of a porta potty. You're like, oh Jesus, that smells. Well, you shouldn't have stole a horse. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> one of the most crazy things back to this religious intent. This one struck me. This was crazy. So think of yourself in this cell, right? Okay. At this point, once they got rid of the portals, you now have a door, but that door's a giant metal door that's has a giant wood door on the outside of it. You have a gateway to your little prison yard mm-hmm. and then it's walled off because they walled off those portals out there. So you have like those two rooms. They're completely walled. There's no, like the yard doesn't have sunlight in it. It's walled off. Yeah. Not um, a yard. Exactly. The lighting, that's why this, this comes in crazy because the lighting was crazy for each prisoner had only one place for light to come into their cell. And that was through what was known as the window or eye of God. It was basically a skylight window like in your so it's basically just a skylight in the ceiling, like a normal window, barred and everything, uh, and it had a religious intent as the church was very important in life, and the church viewed prisoners prisons as a tool to help inmates repent. So this was basically like they could look up and see God. They were looking up, and the light was coming as God, like that beam of light was God looking upon them. How fucked up is that when you're already that your mental state doing little things like that? Mm-hmm. They didn't take into that account obviously when they built this shit. They're like, this is religious because it's the that 1820s. Didn't even, they didn't even, that didn't even cross their no. minds back then. They said, this is religious. You know, the God's looking yeah. at them. Nowadays, we're like, dude, that would fuck someone's brain up so badly if the only sunlight they got was this beam of light that was supposed to be God watching them. Yeah. Dude, after about 10 years, I might start believing some crazy shit. I'm just saying. Absolutely. That is basic design of the prison early on. We're about to get into the life inside and the violence and oh all the God. fun stuff. I need a break real quick. We are about to take a break. Oh so we're going to take a break real quick. <laughs> we got drinks to get, bathrooms to get, and uh, recenter, and then we'll be right back. You do the same. Yeah, you guys go get a drink too, because not if you're driving. <laughs> if you're driving, don't get a drink. Shit, I forget some of y'all drive when we do this, but we'll be, we'll be right be back. We'll be
right. We are back. Uh, bathroom breaks. We refilled some beverages. Hopefully, y'all did too. If you're not driving, if you did, hopefully it's a Kool-Aid or a coffee. So we spent a long time talking about history and the design of the building. So we kind of wanted to kick into life inside the prison. And I think it's important that we talked a lot about the ideology and everything behind it because this prison was designed for reform and repent under basically under God. Basically it was how his whole prison was designed. And we're going to see how fucked up that was. And we, we can all kind of look at it and say, that's kind of wrong. Probably not going to work out the way you think. I mean, they even designed a prison to look scary as shit. Yeah. So we're going to see why that kind of doesn't work. And we're going to see kind of the things that I told you in the beginning. I said, hold on to that idea about the system and the corporal punishment. We put a pin in that. We put a pin in it. We're about to pull that pin out here in a second. So we're talking about life inside the prison. I, I mentioned it earlier, but inmates would spend 23 hours a day in their cells with two 30 minute exercise windows out in their little yard. Three hours. So 23 hours wow. of pure isolation a day. And then when they're let out in their individual yards, we're not talking about a prison yard. They, they have their own little caged in or fenced in or walled in area. Yeah. They're still by themselves. Now they're just allowed to go do calisthenics, I guess, yeah. jumping jacks or push ups. I don't know what the fuck they did in there. Uh, not much, obviously. They probably um, came up with some stuff. <laughs> one thing I found very interesting about this was that the warden was actually l- legally bound mm-hmm. to visit every prisoner once a day. That was probably their only interaction. It was. And so he was he was he was sent to check on them every day, and I think it was legally so they didn't kill themselves. I think that had a lot to do with it, or they didn't harm themselves. Yeah. So they held they held him legally responsible, check on them. basically to check on him. They were also checked on three times a day, but what they were called by as the overseers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to look them up, try to get a bunch of information on them. Couldn't find much more than the fact that they were specific certain, it was just a role. Like they were guards, but they were, I guess, more prestigious guards that their role was to oversee the prisoner's well-being. Oh, Lord. So they called them the overseers. They just got paid a little more. Probably. They just had more. I don't know if they got paid more. They had more duties. They basically, they were the ones to make sure, really make sure three times a day. Basically, they're not fucking dead. Yeah. The rest of the guards were just there to make sure they didn't talk, didn't leave their cells. Didn't do anything. These guys were guys, well, guys, because of the time period, were basically three times a day they had to go in and be like, "You fucking good? You're dead." Mm-hmm. They're probably the ones that brought them their meals. Yeah. If I had to guess, because three times a day you're gonna feed them. Uh, I didn't say who brought their meals, but I'm assuming it was the overseers, since it would make sense to me if I'm gonna check on you three times, I'm gonna check on you every time I bring you food. The prisoners were the inmates were only taken out of their cells to bathe once every two weeks. Ew. That motherfucker stank. Well, I guess they. No one was ever around each other, so. I don't care. I, I would stink. <laughs> I'd be mad at myself. So I'm already isolated. Now I got to smell my stanky ass for like a week. Bro, come on. That's that's nasty. Well, they didn't. It's they didn't, abusive. I also don't know how often they bathed back then. They didn't probably didn't bathe well, like us every day. About, think about the issues that come along with that, like cysts and, you know, stuff yeah, like that. True. But think about the time period. We just talked about how they were one of the first places that was running water. So most people are using yeah. like basins and tubs and just splashing water on themselves anyway. Absolutely. So they weren't really like the most hygienic of people at the right, time. Right. So we're looking at that like I shower at least once a day. What the fuck? Right. Back then it was like they were like weekly baths probably they had. So they probably got a little bit less. Another interesting fact uh, to me is that when prisoners were moved throughout the prison, so maybe they would be going to the barber, the infirmary, uh, or to meet with the warden or even the minister, they had to wear a hood covering their head the entire time. I've read that before. To add to the isolation and anonymity. It's can, And I know this doesn't sound like a lot, but can you imagine yourself being in isolation for years? And then 
when the rare chance that you do get to get out, you're covered, your head, your is, head is covered, covered in a hood. A hood. And, and some places I read, I'm not saying they're nice. Some places I read the hood was never even taken off. So if you went to meet with, if I was a warden and you came to meet with me, you met with me with your fucking hood on. That's fucked up. Now the barbershop, they said they took the hoods off, but a lot of other places said they blindfolded them with the hoods after they took them off. And I found a picture of the, you go, Pat. Yeah. Guys with the hood. Just enough. We'll post them on our Instagram. Just enough. There's just enough for them to see to walk. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. And it looks, they look like a mummy. Yeah, they do. So we talk about what the ideology of this prison, right? It was so much on isolation, so much on reform and attempting to remove corporal punishment. (laughs) But wait, that didn't happen. Oh, God. This place was rampant with maltreatment. And wait till you hear some of the things they did to the prisoners. It's fucking unreal. So there was many forms of torture. Physical, psychological. Obviously, this prison itself is a psychological torture chamber. So torture because of why? They didn't. They just tortured them. Just for any reason. For any reason. Maybe they were yelling when they shouldn't be yelling. Tortured. Maybe they tried to take their hood off when they were moving. Tortured. That's Maybe they wouldn't up. eat. Tortured. I mean, there was no specific reason given for the torture. Yeah, you try to protest and kill yourself and not eat. Just by they're going to torture way, you. They're going to torture you. Because obviously the old ways. Because a lot of these, you got to remember a lot of these prison guards and stuff. They're new to this system. They're coming from other prisons. They're coming yeah. from other places. They're new with being guards. And there's still yeah. a lot of people who are still in the old ways. Like I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. So it still happened, and it never went away. Mm-hmm. Never went away. <laughs> when I read some of these things that they did to them, you're going to be like, "What? The torture? The actual fuck? Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Wait, am I? Am I ready? Uh, no. I don't know if you are for some of these. So prisoners were taken out into the yards and had freezing water poured on them in the middle of the winter in Philly when it gets in the teens. to Pennsylvania in the fall, and it was not warm. It gets in the single digits and teens in the winter. So they would take them outside and dump freezing cold water on them. Wow. Inmates were also dunked in water and then hung up on the walls outside in the winter until ice formed on their skin. (gasps) They've had to have died from that. Some did. Some did. Others were strapped into chairs with leather restraints for days. So tightly, circulation was cut off, and amputation was happened once they were removed. So they strapped them into chairs, tied them down so tightly that when they let them up, they had to cut limbs off. That's not even the worst. There was one such torture uh, referred to as the iron gag. There's a couple couple versions of this. But essentially, prisoner's tongue was chained to their wrists, which were often behind. Their tongue was clamped. And it was chained to their wrists, which often were tied behind their back. so (laughs) So that if they fought the chains, it would literally tear their fucking tongue. That can't be real. It's real. It's all over the place. I mean, I know. The Iron Gag is one fuck. of the most common stories of this place. Like, they, imagine that. Your hands are tied behind your back, and if you even start moving your hands around, it starts tearing your tongue. That was probably for the ones that wouldn't shut the fuck up or take their hoods off and stuff like that. I, I, I'm guessing at this. It didn't say what, who got what. It just said it was done. And then, <laughs> and then, there was the pit. I don't want to know the pit. <laughs> well, actually, if you're a fan of prisons and prison TV shows and movies, you're pretty familiar with the pit. It's also referred to as the hole. So under cell block 14, there was an underground cell dubbed the hole mm-hmm. where prisoners were left alone for weeks at a time with zero interaction, zero light, and only bread and water once a day. 
Wow. So, like, we just talked about some of this shit. Just think about some of these things. And there's there's a whole bunch of other I'm dying accounts <laughs> of abuse and torture. I picked those ones because those are so fucked up. They're so, They're fucked, so fucked up. up. They make me want to cry. But... This is all founded on no corporal punishment, reform, Mm -hmm. and repentance. I don't see that happening here. Well, that's clearly not happening. I'm no psychiatrist, but I I can gather that's not happening. (laughs) No one's being reformed. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. So, clearly, it's prison. Mm -hmm. They're isolated. They're alone. Uh, There are lots of attempts to escape. Uh, Most of the escape attempts, obviously, most of the escape attempts came... Post-1913, when they were allowed to actually congregate and move around the building. Obviously, that makes sense, right? Because there's not a lot, and I was just telling Courtney this off the air, there's not a lot known about life inside the prison from about 1829 to 1913. Wonder why. Everybody was fucking isolated. No one talked to anybody. No one saw shit. Well, people also probably, like the guards and stuff, didn't want to answer questions. Oh, I'm sure they didn't want to talk about anything afterwards. But uh, there were a few... Prison attempts or escapes. Uh, actually, more than a hundred inmates tried to escape in a prison's existence. Uh, I'm going to talk about two escape attempts real quick. They're not chronological because the second one's more important. So, in 1961, a man by the name of John Klausenberg uh, tricked a guard into opening another inmate's cell, and then he and the other prisoner overpowered the guard and began the largest riot in the prison's history. They tried to escape. They didn't. It took several hours for a large force of police guards and state troopers to actually reclaim the prison. That's a huge moment in the history of the prison, so remember that. Okay. One of the most famous and probably the most famous escape attempt happened in July of 1923. A man named Leo Callahan, and I'll talk about him later, uh, and five accomplices armed with pistols successfully held up a group of unarmed guards, because most of the guards back there were unarmed, they had nightsticks and shit, uh, and scaled a ladder that they had built to get over the east wall. After the, they escaped, they were apprehended, uh, including one that made it uh, as far as Honolulu. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's a long ways away from which, Philly. <laughs> which, which, you know, that's 1923. Which, oh, I know. It wow. threw me off because we have serial killers that can't be told. We're talking about every serial killer in the 70s. No one knows that they're killing in fucking 10 different states. This motherfucker ran away from Philly and was captured in Honolulu. How the hell did they do that? Technology. In 1923. Advancement advancements in technology. Yeah, but I'm That's, saying, but 50 years later, we got serial killers killing across state lines and they don't even know it. They can't, they're not connecting between the states. Yeah. This dude went from Philly to Hawaii and they're like, oh, that's the dude. He must have done something yeah. in Hawaii. He must have. Because it was still part of the 50 states, so. So, fun fact about Leo Callahan's escape attempt. Yeah. Leo Callahan was the only individual in the history of the prison mm-hmm. to escape and never be found. He was never caught. So how do we know he went to Hawaii? No, he didn't go to Hawaii. One of the men he escaped with, so he escaped with five others, a total of six. Okay. One of them escaped all the way to Hawaii. Most of them were caught locally. Um, He was caught in Hawaii, but but not Callahan was never never caught. Wow. He was the only person to ever escape Eastern State Penitentiary and never be caught. On the off chance that one of Leo Callahan's relatives is listening. We want the story. We want the story. Give your real name. (laughs) I looked into more of the violence there. Okay. Um, and you know, during its operation, there wasn't a whole lot of stories really. Like the biggest mm-hmm. violent story was the riot in 1963 by John, uh, John Klausenberg. And we'll get to him again, like I said in a minute, but. Yeah. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> Hinterkaifeck. Hinterkaifeck. You always say that so aggressive. <laughs> uh, during its operation, uh, <laughs> Eastern State Penitentiary had 
uh, two guards and several more inmates murdered in the walls. Uh, oh. But death absolutely plagued these walls as prisoners committed suicide and hundreds just died of old age, disease, famine, all of the above. There were hundreds. They don't have an actual number because they didn't keep count for years of how many people died there. There, But there were there's reports of hundreds, if not thousands of people have died in those walls. Most of them somewhat natural causes. Where's the health department when you need them? Not at Eastern State Penn. Apparently. <laughs> so we're going to talk about now how kind of the prison's downfall. And it really starts with John Clausenberg. Remember the man I just told you started the largest riot in the prison's history in 1963? Klausenberg. Klausenberg. So after that riot, there was a massive outcry in the city to close the prison. See, what you okay. what you have to remember is when this prison was initially built in 1829, it was absolutely isolated nowhere near the city of Philadelphia. Like, it was way off, right? But by the 1960s, this Fairmount area where it was built uh, was becoming a booming working and middle-class neighborhood. So everyone was absolutely nervous about public safety and the ability of the aging institution to actually keep people inside of it. So at this point, this institution is almost 150 years old. So people were like, uh, the thing's fucking old as shit. And you just had like the entire state's police departments come down here to stop a riot. We don't want this here anymore, basically. Uh, So the prison was actually named a historic landmark in 1965. And then in 1971, the, the doors of Eastern State Penitentiary were actually closed for corrective services and inmates. Wow. Uh, all the prisoners and most of the guards were then transferred to Greaterville Prison, about 31 miles away uh, outside of Philadelphia. And the city of Philadelphia actually purchased the property with the intent of redeveloping it uh, and had several proposals to turn it into a mall, uh, luxury apartments, but keeping the walls around it. So they were going to keep the 30-foot stone walls and build malls or apartments or townhomes inside. I mean, I'd be game. That's fucking weird, though. I'd love it. I'm going to live in, a like, a townhome with 30-foot prison walls all around me. So, yeah, no <laughs> shit. So, I feel safe, at least. Hell, yeah. So, this is in, like, 1971, 72, when they're coming up with all this stuff, because it just mm-hmm. closed? None of it happened. Oh. So, it fell into what the prison was called as the abandoned era. Okay. So, from 1971 until almost 1990... Eastern State Penitentiary just fucking sat there. A forest literally grew in the cell blocks and inside the walls everywhere. It's kind of it also now, became sure. the stray cat brothel, if you will. Ooh. So, like, it became rampant with stray cats because it's a fucking massive compound. Kitties everywhere. Kitties everywhere. <laughs> Kitties everywhere. Um, but then in 1988, the Eastern State Penitentiary Task Force successfully petitioned. petitioned Mayor Wilson Good to halt the redevelopment plans, and in 1994, Eastern State had been reopened to the public for tours. Um, and I'll talk about that at the end. That's pretty cool with some of the stuff you can do there. Uh, since 1994, there have been dozens of restoration projects. And what I want to talk about, and I know what Courtney's eager for, right? Yeah. Is I want to talk about two things that everybody always wants to know about a prison. Who the fuck was there? Who's famous that was there? Mm-hmm. I know and, one person famous. Yeah, everybody knows there. one that was there. And okay. is it haunted? Because it's considered to be one of the most haunted prisons in America. So we're going to get into both of those things right now. So this place had some famous prisoners. I'm going to save the second best for last. Okay. My favorite's last. The second best for yes, last. Yes. My okay. favorite's the last one. It's not the one you're thinking of. So okay. one of the most famous prisoners that would stay there is probably one of the top two most famous was Slick Willie Sutton. 
Slick Willie Sutton was a notorious bank robber for the 40-year career reportedly stole an estimated $2 million while robbing 50 banks. He spent over half his adult life in prison and escaped three times from three different prisons. Uh, he led one of the most famous escapes in Eastern State Penitentiary's history while he was doing a 25 to 50 year sentence. So in 1945, uh, he'd spent a year digging a tunnel under the prison wall that spanned 97 feet and with 11 other inmates, they all escaped. That's a Shawshank Redemption. Straight Shawshank Redemption stuff. I wonder if that's what... That might be where they got their bases from. Because he dug a We're hole. We're going to have to look that up. He dug a hole. I couldn't he find anything prepare. that said this was oh what this God. was for. <laughs> but the striking resemblance is crazy, right? Yeah, it um, is. They were all, however, caught shortly after. Because that's pretty big, you know? So he escaped Eastern State Penn and they're like, fuck, it's an old prison. Mm-hmm. We're going to go put you in a more modern fucking prison. Fuck you. Right. So shortly after that, he was thrown where he was caught. He was brought back to Philadelphia County Prison. And uh, he escaped from there in 1947. Was he caught? <laughs> he would end up number 11 on the FBI's most wanted list. Motherfucker. Eventually, he was recaught and sentenced to 30 to 120 years in prison. What was he in for again, Pat? I'm he, sorry. He, was a, he, he robbed over 50 banks. He's a notorious bank robber. He's been a life robbing banks. He'd get, he would get in and out of prison. Every time he was out, he robbed a bank and go back. In 1969, his, 60, or his 30 to 100 year sentence was commuted. Mm-hmm. And he was released. He died of old age in 1980 as a free man. Wow. He's an interesting fact because. That you, makes me angry. Right? Probably overcrowded. I don't know why he wasn't violent. Maybe. I don't know. But he's actually the basis for mm-hmm. the Sutton Law. So if you've ever heard of the medical term, the Sutton Law, he is reportedly the basis. No one says, yes, it's him. No one says it's not. But his last name is Sutton. And it makes sense because. Sounds familiar. Basically, what the Sutton Law is, is that the most obvious diagnosis is probably the right one. And that's to avoid spending extra money and time and wasting energy testing and doing all those other things. So that's what you really think it is, basically. Go with your gut. That's what it is. It's kind of like go with your gut. Go with your gut law. Well, (laughs) this actually came about, and this is funny, because the the story that's said to have brought the law about, he denied that he was the reason for the law. But the story that came up was a, a reporter had allegedly asked him one day, why the fuck do you rob banks? You know what he said? What? That's where the fucking money is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so it was work. I mean, he's not wrong. So that's why this like idea of the but most obvious reason, work. why do you rob banks? There's money there. No shit. Right? So then another famous prisoner was Victor Babe Andrioli. Mm-hmm. See, Victor had killed a state trooper in 1937 and was sentenced to, 1937, and was sentenced to life for first degree murder. But he escaped in 1943 as he hid in a delivery truck. Uh, he was found a few weeks later in a diner and was shot and killed in Chester, Pennsylvania, which was five minutes from where I grew up. I know. Chester. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then we have Morris the Rabbi okay. Bulber. So Morris was a high-ranking member of the so-called Philadelphia Poison Ring. Their plan, basically, is they went to unhappily married uh, women and murderous women Okay. And they offered him a way out of these horrible marriages. They just wanted a cut of the life insurance policy. So oh, no. <laughs> they spent six years running this scheme. And they said they murdered about 30 people using arsenic. But the numbers oh. the numbers are saying it could be upwards of 100. Oh, my God. So basically, God. upwards of 100 people, dealing wives them. were going to these guys. And they were poisoning these guys, their husbands so they could collect their life insurance. And they were just like, hey, give you 20% or whatever. Uh, he was... he was Fucking serial killers. He was... Sentenced to life in prison in 1939, 
uh, arrived at Eastern State Penn in 1942 and died 12 years later in prison in 1954. Next, we have Frida Frost. So remember, women women were in this prison. Women were prison with men back in the so day. So she, like, were they like together in prison, or they not, had their own? Not no, in their own isolated cells. Isolated. Hell okay. no. Okay. So for almost a hundred years, women did reside in Eastern State Pen. So from its opening until about 1923, and old Frida, she was the last woman to leave the gates of Eastern State Pen. Wow. She was transferred to Muncie Industrial Home for Women in 1923. And she had been serving a 20-year sentence for poisoning her husband. He probably deserved it. I wouldn't doubt you. Probably was a bad guy. But she was. She's. In, they Not put her in an infamous husband. name because <laughs> you know she was the last woman to walk out of the gates of that prison. Yeah. Which is pretty. Which is pretty historic of it. And we have uh, Samuel. Freedom. Samuel Freedom. Barlow was Freedom another ran one. Ran so we can walk. <laughs> well, she was sent to another prison. They just separated oh, her. Because okay. now, remember, till 1913, they were all isolated. Now they have the women and the men all together for um, 10 years. So they're like, mm, this is a bad idea. This is yeah, a bad idea. That's true. So Samuel Barlow was another inmate. He was the last death row inmate. Wow. So Barlow was sent to Eastern State Penn as a teenager for the part in the 1968 Dolphin Depository Trust robbery. He was only a lookout and was sentenced to life in prison. No, so, so Samuel was doing life in prison as a lookout for a robbery. Okay. A lookout for a robbery. I gotcha. He spent two years in Eastern State Penn until it closed, and then he was moved to another prison where he spent 48 years. Uh, his death sentence was actually commuted once he left, like most people. Like almost mm-hmm. everybody that was on death row when they left Eastern State Penn, they commuted him to life in prison. Oh. Uh, he was released in 2019, and actually that same year he came back to visit as a tourist Eastern <laughs> State Penn and received an award for... Incarcerated person of the year. I have no words. I know. So now, <laughs> that brings us to my second favorite prisoner that stayed here, and by far my favorite, the most famous prisoner to and ever set favorite. foot in here, and your favorite for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. A man I will release his name in a moment, but in May of nineteen twenty nine, while traveling from Atlantic Asshole. City. <laughs> Back home to Chicago, uh-huh. Al Capone was arrested for concealing an firearm, seeking a, seeking to make an example of the famed gangster. Oh. He was given the max sentence by Pennsylvania Department of Justice of one year. Which is nuts. Which is nuts. <laughs> so he was sentenced in 1929 to one year in prison in Eastern State Penn. But don't fucking feel bad for this guy. He was put into what they dubbed the Park Avenue Cell. Mm-hmm. He was afforded outlandish luxuries and privileges like a radio, oriental mm-hmm. rug, uh, all these things during his eighth month, eight month sentence. You can a actually literal oriental rug. Oriental rug. You can actually still see his cell and it's recreated to look the way it did at the time. You've With seen pictures of it. Beautiful desk. It's in fucking the corner, insane. Like better than our setup right now. No, it's I mean, insane. Oh, for sure, better than our setup. Even with all the technology, I'm sure it costs more. They still have it set up to this day how that cell looks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously recreated Absolutely. and stuff, but Put it's just crazy. The and then the next cell over looks like a medieval torture room. Of course. Um, it's oh, obviously like a, it's a huge stark for contrast. Oh yeah, there's a huge stark contrast for for, for Al Capone. Um, but what's crazy about this story is there's a lot of belief that he had spent. T- 
time in that prison, he, he intentionally got arrested because he got arrested for brandishing an unlicensed gun, not shooting it, just having it. But there's a lot of theories that he did that because mob violence in Chicago in the 1920s, late 19, early 1930s was at an all time high. Yeah. And he didn't want to be a part of it. He knew that fucking people were trying to kill him. So it's, it's speculated that he got arrested on purpose for letting that die down. If you guys don't know who Al Capone is, please look up the Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago. I think it's pretty safe to say everyone knows who Al Capone is. Right? Yeah, one of the most famous gangsters in American history. Let's just put it at that. Yeah, but it, we'll put up pictures of his cell. You can look them up. They are insane. It, it, it looks it looks like a, a sultan's underground bunker or something like that. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> and that will bring us to the last famous individual in this cell. Um, and my favorite, known as Pep. 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 Never heard. Also known as the cat murdering dog. Was it a dog? It was a dog. No! <laughs> so. No! Listen to this. Listen to this story. I'm opting uh, out. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually not that bad. It's just a crazy story. Uh, <gasps> it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a legend, but in 1924, <laughs> Pep was sentenced to life in prison in Eastern State Penn. He was given an inmate number and even had publicity photos taken. Yes. So who was Pep? Pep was the dog of the governor of Pennsylvania who they said allegedly killed the governor's wife's cat. This story is bullshit. Now, (laughs) now, that's what the legend was, but most people speculate and said that the story was kind of bullshit and just kind of a publicity stunt. framed. That, no, the dog was actually donated to the prison by the governor just to boost inmate morale. So So the governor, like, went to the prison and was like, Maybe a dog will help boost some morale, so they gave him a dog. Not his dog, just a dog. But the stories came out, and they made a big spectacle of it. Like, I could see them being publicity and saying, hey, look, let's give him a uniform and take pictures. Do you know what kind of dog it was? Didn't say. Did you see pics or no? Not really. Okay. I didn't really dive into the pics of the dog. I just was focusing on the story that they sentenced a dog to life in prison and gave him an inmate number. Okay. (laughs) He's actually, Pep's actually buried on the grounds. He died of natural causes years later, and they they buried him on the he grounds. Died? Well, I mean, he was there in 1924, okay. so 100 years ago, I'm pretty sure he's dead. So that takes us. That's most of the. That that was my favorite. This story sucks. Quinn's <laughs> like, Quinn's like, people are getting dismembered and necrophilia, and then there's a dog that doesn't even get harmed. He just dies of natural causes, being an inmate, basically their service dog, and you're like hating it. Mm. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that they made a story up and said. Here's your number. Let's take photos. This dog's getting life in prison. Kind of like, what the fuck? Well, can you imagine being buried at your work? Yeah, I don't think he noticed too much. He cared. Maybe he did care because maybe he had some inmates that he really bonded with there and he loved. Maybe. Or guards. Yeah. Or workers. You never know. Thank Um, you, Positive Pete. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about, with the dark history of Eastern State Penitentiary, of course, it is said to be one of the most haunted prisons, and if yes. not one of the most haunted locations in all of America. Yes. Um, one of the first actual ghost stories comes out of Al Capone. Did you know really? that? Really? Al? Did you know this? No. Yeah. So we talked about how lavish his cell was, but even with that, he was said to be haunted by the ghost of James Clark, who was one of the alleged victims of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in Chicago, which Al Capone carried out and was a huge part right, of. Right, right. Allegedly, Capone would be screaming every night in fright, screaming, Jimmy, go away. Jimmy, leave me alone. Jimmy, stop. Every night. 
for almost his entire eight-month eight sentence. In 1940s, both prisoners and guards started reporting, you know, several unusual experiences and sightings. This is really when it's really starting to come up. So Al Capone was the first, and then it starts to become rampant in the 1940s. Uh, many of these events involved shadows, noises, your typical haunting stuff, but could just be a typical old-ass fucking prison, right? Yeah. You know, cell block 12 today is reported as a high paranormal activity where you can hear cackling, whispers, and aspir- apparitions of prisoners are seen. Cell block six, uh, shadow figures are seen sliding along the walls. And remember that. And the sounds of whispers and screams and laughters can be heard. In Uh cell block four, ghostly anguished faces have been seen, loud whispers heard. And on one occasion, this is a fucking insane story. A locksmith was working in the area and was removing an old lock from the cell door, you know, kind of doing renovations in the area. Uh, And he said it felt like he was overcome by a massive force uh, that he was unable to move or speak. Uh, basically, it described it as a horrible negative energy that just kind of exploded out of the cell. And that tormented faces appeared all around him in the cell walls. And one even appeared to plead to him. Like, help me. Mm. I'm never fucking going back in that building if that happens to me. I mean, like, no. No. The walls are like talking to me and shit. And one's like, help me. Like, I'm out. I'm bro, bro, bro. No. Many people still report to this day the, the silhouette of a guard in one of the watchtowers. On one of the floors of the cell blocks, numerous visitors say they've heard the cell's doors slamming shut and open when there's no one there and the doors aren't moving. They just hear the sounds of it. Right. And then then on the catwalk area, a large amount of paranormal uh, has taken place here. A shadow figure was even caught on video by a tourist at one point. Uh, And people have felt extreme temperature fluctuations. They've had EVPs or like electronic voice phenomenon of a man saying, I'm lonely. No. For those that aren't familiar with the paranormal and electronic voice phenomenon, EVP, basically it's when you take a recording and it captures something that you can't hear in human ears. Um, mm-hmm. It's believed that it's, it's a spirit communicating using right. the energy. It's just not loud enough or audible for a human, but you can capture it on video and audio equipment. But so, still, no. Yeah, so basically they're, they're playing it back. It's like me and Courtney walking around like, babe, look at this. And you just hear, I'm lonely. What the? No, you're not. No, I'm, no. you're going to be lonely because I'm out of this motherfucker. Go to bed, bitch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then so visitors and staff report disembodied voices, cries of pain, sadistic laughter, whispers throughout the prison. Others have reported hearing the sounds of cell handle doors jiggling, furniture being dragged, large objects rolling on the roof, footsteps, orbs have been seen, streaks of lights will appear, uh, unseen people tapping them on the shoulder, overwhelming sensation of being watched, and in general, just a feeling of dread in this building. Like there's there's no shortage. You could I could literally go on and on and on and on and on about experiences documented here. But they're all the same, right? So I don't want to go over Sally and Jeff and James that all heard a door close. Like all the things I just covered, which is very common in all these haunted places we hear about and we see. Right. It's all the same stuff. It's just rampant here. Like there's just count it's after everywhere. count of people hearing about it, right? Yeah. So like we talked about in the very, very beginning, you know, I grew up maybe 20 to 30 minutes from Eastern State Penn. I grew up maybe 15 minutes outside the city. And I promise you this place intrigues and scares the fuck out of me. And it's not just because of the stories of it. I've been there numerous times, like we talked about. And I don't claim to be some, you know, a medium or fucking psychic person or anything like that. But I have had true experiences in my life that make me wonder about the paranormal. And um, it's also why I'm such a fan of it. Like, I just want to understand it. And it sounds fucking cliche because, like, literally every fucking TV show starts out like, once I was a kid, I was affected by a demon. And I wanted to spend my life finding it. Like, I'm not saying that shit. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Most people do get into the paranormal because they've had some sort of event that kind of opened their eyes to 
fuck, that might be real. Like, yeah. I really want to learn more about this because I can't explain what the fuck happened to me. And I've been to three places in my life, and you know about all these stories. I've been to three places in my life that truly and legitimately something like that happened to me where I just fucking couldn't explain it, and it fucking shook me to the core. Gettysburg um, is one. Gettysburg is one. Fort Sumner, South Carolina is another. My That's parents another. can tell that story. Yeah. And Eastern State Penitentiary is That's the third. another. Always heard about this. So nothing like crazy happened to me, right? Like shit wasn't thrown at me. Like doors weren't slamming and shit like that. Uh, but I didn't catch shit on camera because I wasn't filming or anything. But this place just, every time I've been there, it, it scares the shit out of me. Okay. And I feel creepy. And I can't remember what cell block it was, but, you know, reading through this, it might have been cell block six because that's where the same shit's reported. Okay. I remember two times I was there. You know, when I was there, the cell blocks were all gated off. Yeah. Um, only a few cells to this day are open because some of them, they're just in such bad disrepair. They're in such bad state. They let you walk around the middle part and there's a couple of cells, you, cell blocks you can walk down. You can't really go in any of the cells. This cell block was fenced, was gated off. You couldn't go down it, right? Right. And at the end of the hallway, there's just this shadowy corner. Okay. And if, you, if you've ever been in a building or a place that was supposedly haunted or whatever it is, and you just feel like you're staring at something in the shadow that's fucking staring at you. Like you just know there is something there. I cannot describe it. The feeling, if you've ever had it, is terrifying. I just remember looking down this weird dark hall. Like the hallway wasn't that dark. It was just a back corner. And I couldn't stop staring at it. Like there was something in that corner fucking staring at me. It got you. It just it just shook me to the core. And if like if you've experienced something like that, it's like you understand it. And then yeah. a lot of the little things do happen when you're there. You'll hear shit and you're like, you look at other people to see if they fucking heard it. Like, do you hear that? No, like, there, they look at you and you're like, There's also what? Like, like echoes. There are. And that's what, you know, like I said, I didn't capture any of this stuff, but you hear things that just aren't normal. Like you hear things like furniture moving. You hear yeah. like doors closing and you're like, yeah. There's no fucking, we didn't come through a door. But you hear things, like you hear the echoes of normal people walking around, but then there is the, like. Distinct sounds that are not like people walking and talking. Yeah. Because they don't, you don't have hundreds of people in there at a time. They're small groups. They're small groups. Yeah. And I think, I I don't know how they, when I did it, it was like one group at a time. Yeah. Because it's not a long tour. But it was like, you know that, you know the sound. You're like, it sounds like a fucking jail cell or like keys clanking or furniture moving. Like. It's like 10 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night. You're like, no one's in here fucking renovating right now. Yeah. What is that sound? And other people would be like, I heard that too. And others would be like, heard what? And you're like, it's just weird. I just, it wasn't so much the sounds. And I think that's just crazy. It's just, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I, I could, I can picture the hallway in my mind to this day. I can see it. I can see the shadow corner area of the hallway. And if you remember, you're talking about hallway number six. That's where people report seeing shadows like slither down the side of the wall into the corners. So I don't know. I can't remember what hallway it was at the time. Um, but it's, it's fucking nuts. Like we've seen shows, we've seen documented, documented all over the place. This place. And you, you have to understand like this is places of sorrow. I have noticed that you always get super quiet when they investigate like Zach or Aaron or um, what's the other one? Nick. Nick. Yeah. Investigate Eastern state. I, I think part of me, there. part of me was looking for validation I, that but I've I, also noticed that you get quiet with Gettysburg as well. Cause so, it's one of those, those are those experiences. Those are experiences yeah. that you just you can't explain. You definitely had some experience. So when I see other people investigated, I do get quiet. Cause I, I it's almost like I'm searching to see if, do, are they going to see the same shit I saw? Like I want, yeah. val- I want validation. You want to 
know. You no, know, I can go into details about Gettysburg and Sumner. You know the Gettysburg stories. It's, the battlefield is creepy as fuck. It always feels like it always felt like I was being watched from the tree line. Yeah. And then it was out of the corner of my eye, I could see people running in the tree line. Yeah. There's no one there. Good. There's no one fucking there. But I could I could like hear it and see it and feel like they were over there. And Fort Sumner was. And you're very logical. Yeah, you very. Not an emotional person. Fort Sumner by was. Enemies. Fort Sumner was the one that really shook my parents with me because. Fort Sumner, South Carolina, very famous fort down there. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where Scott Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner during during the war. Yeah, uh, exactly. we were down there visiting Charlotte or not sure, Charleston, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to the fort, check it out. Never been there, knew a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. We walked through the the fucking threshold of it, and there was yeah. a tour guide that was taking us around, and I knew more than a tour guide. The tour was like, how the fuck do you know this shit? Like, I was talking about, like, where cannons were fucking placed. This Save was that. This. this shit was that. That shit was there. For an episode. And my please. parents were like, what the fuck? Save it for an episode. And it was almost like. Cut. There's no, there, that's it. So whole, that's the whole story. I was like 12. Yeah. But when I walked out of there, it was like, I, I don't even. I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? It was like that kind of feeling. I walked out. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, I didn't even. I couldn't explain it. Yeah. That was the first time in my life that it really. Holy shit. So in closing, in about since about 1994, the prison had operated as a museum and historic site. You can still actually tour this, this sort of self-guided tours, uh, which are actually narrated by Steve Buscemi. You can walk in the common areas that like we talked about, certain marked cells. I love Steve Buscemi. Right? And he actually he narrated you know, the audio tapes that you can listen to the headphones as you're walking around. That's he narrates really? it. Yeah, he narrates <laughs> it. Uh, you can see a few of the cells. The courtyard has an absolutely amazing site, uh, city skyline. Like, just for the view from there is, is absolutely amazing. But like I said, most of these places are off limits in there just because of the debris and the rubble from all the years where it was left in disrepair. It was just abandoned. Um, there's even They even still have the original baseball, basketball, baseball backstop that sits on the fence in the yard where they would play baseball to keep the balls from going over the prison wall. So they still have the, the, the net up there from that. Um, they actually do also operate a haunted house in the fall here. Um pretty corny i've been to it i almost punched a clown there um because <laughs> they jump out at you but but, but roughly about two hundred twenty thousand people i know right <laughs> roughly about two hundred twenty thousand people do visit this prison every year and i absolutely know that it is on your bucket list of one of the most places you want to visit i know this oh I already know. and i would love to take you there because they- it's just it, just the walking up to it if is you- all inspiring yeah so if you ever get the chance to go check it out go even even if you don't want to do the tour Go witness this thing in the middle of the city. Because I'm talking about in the middle Please of do. a beautiful oh part of town. Yeah. There is this foreboding, evil, dark medieval castle yeah. structure that just sits there yeah. overlooking the whole area. It's just crazy. Yeah. But I think that's kind of going to wrap it up for this one for our second episode of the prison series. Love it. We'll have to. I'll uh, do the next one. We'll have to take the next one. I think we, I think we got to do like an Alcatraz or a Sing Sing or a. Or maybe a foreign prison. Because you know I like the dark and dirty. You do like the dark and dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, another one that could be fun to do, I don't know the history of it, was the Colorado Supermax just because of who's housed there these days. Because they got like Ted Bundy was there. No, he wasn't there. Ted Kaczynski was there. That's what I, was I would about. never take that from you. Uh, but I don't know if the history is behind that one. Yeah. I don't think there is a lot. I think it's just where they house the worst of the worst. I mean, that's an awful. So. Yeah, it is pretty much. You could go into the cases to put some of those guys there. <laughs> exactly. Ted Kaczynski alone, you can talk to about how that dude's a exactly. enigma isn't himself. Mm-hmm. You ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? They talk about who was the guy that did the prize work in astrophysics, da 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 da. And the bartender's like, Ted Kaczynski. And he's like, who the fuck is Ted Kaczynski? He's like, fucking Unabomber. So he was like a brilliant mathematician back in the day. I don't know. It's, it's craziness. Really crazy. But uh, I think that's going to call it a night for us, guys. Do you have anything you want to add or say to the people, Court? Um,. 
No. Okay. Well, Insightful words from Courtney. We'll see you guys next week with Courtney bringing us back to our evil ways and our most vile and depraved and fucked up human beings on the planet. So this is a nice break from that, but we'll get back to the <laughs> we'll get back to our bread and butter here next week where you we can love you guys. Make us all sick and make me want to drink. <laughs> I love it. We love y'all. Have a good one. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.